you have already heard a lot about prayer this day. And we should be a praying people. We should spend so much of our time on our knees. We're in the middle of a special session for General Conference, and I have called you to prayer about that, and we've been praying for three years, even as it goes on today, that God's touch, God's Holy Spirit might be there in St. Louis. We've talked about a prayer experience, something new and different that we challenge you to come and be a part of in the chapel during Lent as you grow in your prayer walks and you're talking and perhaps more importantly, you're listening to God. And we talk about brothers and sisters here in the congregation that need your prayers, that need healing touch, not only God but yours, that they should be a part of your daily prayers. So it doesn't come as any surprise that today's sermon is on prayer. The only difference is is I've changed the Scripture. I was going to use James there at the end of the book where he talks about the necessity of prayer. Could have used the Gospel of Mark. Could have used Luke where he talks about the Lord's Prayer. But I decided to go way back. I decided to go back to the Pentateuch and go back to Deuteronomy. To another prayer a prayer that probably was not answered the way the person who said the prayer really wanted to have it answered, which will lead us to our sermon today, to pray or not to pray. Kind of something that William Shakespeare would probably write, to pray or not to pray. But before we do that, let's go to God's Word. Deuteronomy, the chapter 3, the 23rd verse there in the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy 3. And verse 23. And these are the words that are written. Have ears to hear. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over And see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward, and look at it with your eyes, for you shall not go over this Jordan. This is the Word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but I've literally been on the mountaintop, and I've been down in the deepest part of the valley. There have been times for me that God has so real that I can almost reach out and touch Him. And other times when I felt that I could use the world's biggest telescope and not even see Him. In working on this sermon today, I moved my original thoughts about prayer to this thought about prayer. The one that faces all of us at one time or the other. It haunts us when we talk about our individual or our corporate prayer lives. To pray or not to pray, should I do it 
especially if the answers to my prayer is no. To pray or not to pray. Today I'm going to talk to you about what at least for me is, is one of the toughest issues I think we have to deal with in our Christian life. One of the toughest things we have to deal with as followers of Jesus Christ. Quite frankly, I don't know of any other problem we have in our walks that is quite as difficult as this one. The one that causes more confusion or more discouragement, more frustration, more outright bitterness sometimes than this problem. And put quite simply, as I already have, why is it that it seems sometimes prayer works and sometimes it doesn't? Why is it that sometimes God says no? You know, I've prayed for marriages to be restored, and they've ended up in divorce. I've prayed for children to be healed, and they've ended up dying. I've prayed for God to open up doors, and to this day, they remain firmly shut. I've wondered sometimes in my prayers whether anybody is up there listening at all. How about you? You had those times? Have you prayed for a job or for a promotion or for a raise and never gotten it? Have you prayed that your spouse didn't walk out on you and yet that's exactly what happened? Have you prayed for somebody in your family that was, had a disease and you prayed for God's healing touch and it didn't happen? Somehow the answer is no. I think I shared with you before several months ago about my prayers when my mother was dying from pancreatic cancer. And the answer was no. Let me make sure that you understand that God wants to answer our prayers, and God, in fact, will answer our prayers. The rub is is that He doesn't always answer them the way we want to have them answered. Sometimes those prayers are met with God's answer of no, and we have a difficult time dealing with that. There have certainly been times in your life, as there have in mine, when we have prayed from every conceivable angle that God would answer our prayers, and there's no good reason why He shouldn't, and yet the answer is no. I'm reminded of a story from many years ago about a young journalist in Israel who was covering Israel and the conflict between Israel, or the Jews and the Arabs. And she heard about a man who had been praying at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. He went there twice every day. And she thought, oh, this is great. What a great human interest story this is. I'm going to have to track this guy down. And she finds the man at the Wailing Wall. And she decides to ask him, Sir, how long have you been coming to this wailing wall and praying? And the man responds, 50 years. And she says, 50 years? And what have you been praying for? And the man immediately says, for peace to come to the Jews and the Arabs. And she says, well, after praying for 50 years, 
How do you feel? The man looks at her and says, like I'm talking to a wall. I have been to Jerusalem. I have prayed at the praying wall, the wailing wall. But let me assure you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you're praying, whether at that wailing wall or any place else, you are not praying to a wall. You are praying to Him, a very real and vibrant presence in your life. The problem is, is that God doesn't answer our prayers always the exact way we want them to. He doesn't answer our prayers the way we think we should answer them. He doesn't answer them on our time schedule immediately. And He doesn't always answer them affirmatively. And we don't like that. We don't like that. You know, sometimes God says, go. That's fine. You want a job? Gotcha. Give you a job. You want a promotion? Bingo. I'll give you a promotion. You want somebody healed? I can do that. Request granted. And we like that, don't we? We like that. We like it affirmative when God answers our prayers with a yes. We don't have anything to complain about. We are so selfish and self-centered in our nature that we are just like children. We always like to be told yes. How many of you out there have children or grandchildren? Have you ever told them no? If you haven't, you've got a problem. Because if we granted our children everything, I don't know what this place would be like. Sometimes the ones you love the most, you have to say no. Because it's for their good. But that doesn't help us all the time. We kind of live in a fast food society, so we like fast food in our prayers too. We get in that line at McDonald's, let me see, I'm going to take a big prayer, a medium-sized prayer, and a little prayer to go. And by the way, I want it to all be yes. Doesn't work that way, folks. Never has it, never will. But sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says, whoop, slow down. Slow down. I'll answer your prayer. But I want to give for you what is best in your life when you need it. There are times when God says, you know, I'm going to eventually get around to that. Eventually I'll say yes, but it's going to be on my timetable, not on yours. Sometimes we have to live with that. And I don't think we really have a problem with God answering our prayers that way. Go, yeah, let's do that. Slow down, okay, I'll wait. Or let me do it on my timetable. Let me do it when I know it's best. The problem we have is when we get to the fourth one, and God says no. He says no. God doesn't play favorites. He said no to some of the biggest people in the Bible. Paul. Gee, if there's anybody who is a, a greater example of an apostle, who could it be other than Paul? And we're told what? Paul had what? A thorn in the flesh. We're not told exactly what it was, but we had some type of thorn in the flesh, some type of pain, some type of suffering he was going through. And not once, not twice, three times, Paul asked him, take this thorn away. Take the pain away, God. Look how I'm serving you. Look what I'm doing in your precious name. Can you take the suffering 
away from me? Can you take away this thorn in the flesh? And what does God say? Well, he says no, but he says it in this way. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Paul's saying, no, I'm not going to take the thorn away, but I'm going to give you the grace to handle it. And then we talk about probably the greatest leader that we know of in the Old Testament. That's Moses leading with God the entire nation of Israel out of the confines of Egypt, across through the Red Sea, 40 years in the desert. And we come to this passage we have in Deuteronomy 3. Now you should know leading up to that, we have another story in Numbers 20. And I'm not going to read it to you today, I'm just going to capsulize it for you. But God was displeased with Moses because he was disobedient. Instead of speaking to the rock as God asked him, Moses used his staff to hit the rock. Now you all are familiar with the story in Exodus where he does hit the rock with his staff and water pours forth. But in Numbers, another story in another place where God is saying, don't use the staff, you just talk to the rock. But how does Moses kind of compare to all of us? You know, if we try it once, it works. Hey, it worked last time. Give me my staff. And that's not what God wanted. God wanted Moses to believe in him, to trust him, to treat him as holy. When I tell you to speak to the rock, that's what I mean. Speak to the rock. Don't use your staff. And so God is upset with Moses. So upset that he tells Moses he is never going to have the opportunity to enter the promised land with the rest of the nation of Israel. And so we come to this passage in Deuteronomy. Moses wasn't asking for a lot, was he? I mean, on your list, your scale of 1 to 10 on prayers, you know, all he's asking is to go over. He's not asking to stay for any length of time. He's not asking for a nice house with a swimming pool so I can sit over there on the Jordan for 50 years. All he's asking God is, please, Lord, let me go across into the promised land. All I want to do is set foot on it. All I want to do is touch the place. And here's God's response. Look at all of it with your eyes. But you shall not go over this Jordan. I have been on the top of Mount Nebo. That range of Pisgah peaks. And if you stand on Nebo, you can see down there, you can see the Dead Sea. You can see the outline of the city of Jericho. You can see the green fields of the Valley of Jordan. That was the promised land that God had promised Abram. We talked about that last week. The promised land. They were finally going to get an opportunity to enter the promised land. And the one who had led them through all of it, the one who had taken the brunt of leadership, the one who had been faithful from the beginning, was told, no, you're not going over You can look, but don't touch. And so, he was told no. And if Paul and Moses were told no, what makes you think that any of us are not going to be told no? For whatever reason. 
So I want to leave you with a couple of things today in your prayer walks as you enter this Lenten season to think about in this prayer life. Number one, God's perspective, God's viewpoint is much clearer than ours. You know, God has something we don't have. We're finite in who we are. We're finite in what we see. We like to think we have this, but we don't. God has the big picture, folks. We know yesterday. We know kind of up to this moment today. But there's not one of us in here that knows what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow. But God has the big picture. He knows. He sees it all. So his perspective, his viewpoint is much clearer than ours will ever be. What does it say in Hebrews? He knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. So often we pray for things that we want the answer right then. We don't realize what the consequences are going to be. We don't realize what's going to happen if it's just yes. We really don't care. I got my Big Mac. I hope you got yours. If we knew everything that God knew, there are probably times when we'd even tell ourselves, no, you can't do that. That's bad for you. Every time God answers yes in a prayer, it's, it's like a nuclear explosion. There's a chain reaction. It affects other people at other times and other places. I can't tell you how my prayers are going to affect me tomorrow. I can't tell you how they're going to affect my family. I can't even tell you how my prayers are going to affect this church. They're going to. But God is going to answer them in accordance to his plan because he's got the big picture. He can see it all. And I simply cannot. God looks at prayer in two ways. He takes two things into consideration. What is for our own good and what is for his glory. What is for his own good and what is for his glory. I don't care how great a prayer you have. I don't care how, who you're praying for, how important you think it is. If it's not good for you, and it's not for good for his glory, guess what the answer is? No. You may not like that, but God has a much clearer, big picture than you and I ever will. God also has a plan. A plan that's better than our plans. I know we plan. What's the, what's the proverb? Man plans, God laughs. We all plan for things. It never ends up that way. But God's plan is eternal. It is divine. It is what we are living into. God's plan is everything, and He uses all those purposes in conjunction with His plan. Sometimes things don't go according to His plan, but even then He will use them for the glory of His plan somewhere down the line. Even in all of our brokenness, even when we make dumb decisions using our free will, God can use it because his plan is greater than ours. God revealed that to the prophet Isaiah when he writes, this plan of nine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, for my ways are higher than yours. There are some people who think they're God, but they're not. There's only one. And God's plan for our life may very, be very well different than our plan for our life. Let me tell you one thing today. All of us sitting here, when you get to the end of your life and you look back, 
the one thing you're going to be able to say is that my life didn't turn out exactly the way I had it planned. None of our lives do. None of our lives do. It never turns out the way we have it planned. There's always a curveball. There's always an obstacle. There's always something new and different. God sees it all. God knows it all. But His plan is much better than any of our plans. And it will be. Always. Everybody, you remember, I know it's been years and years, I don't even think they use it anymore. The Ford Motor Company, you remember what their little slogan was? Ford has a better idea. You all aren't that old. Ford has a better idea. God has a better idea. God has a better idea for you, for us, for His church. Trust Him. His plan is better than ours. You know, one of the most interesting chapters in the entire book of Hebrews is chapter 11, and we always gravitate toward the very first verse. It's the one we like to memorize and quote. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But have you read the rest of the chapter? Have you passed on down through 11? Before lunch today, I want every, all of you to read Hebrews chapter 11. I know you're going to be rushing right out to do that. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at the rest of that chapter. Look what the writer is saying about those people. He is giving example after example of those who have lived by faith, not having received the things promised. They've seen them from afar, but they have not received them. The chapter ends this way, and all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. God has a better plan. And I want to be honest with you. There are prayers that I have prayed that God has said no to, and I have gotten so angry and so upset. But at some point, I have to understand He's got the big picture, and He's got the plan that is so important in my life and in your life and in our lives together. Which leads me to my last point. The whole reason, the whole purpose behind this is that God's purpose is higher than our purpose. Everything that God allows to happen or everything that He works with after we've expressed our free will is something that He uses for the glory of His kingdom. Too often we focus on being comfortable. We want Him to answer our prayers so that we feel comfortable. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be conformed. Not comfortable, conformed to His image. Sometimes that causes pain. Sometimes that means suffering. Sometimes that means He says no. Where did it ever say, I want you to be comfortable? No. He wants us to be conformed. He wants us to be transformed in Him. He wants us to be different. He's not concerned about our temporary pleasures. He's concerned about the eternal purposes of His plan. What God is interested in more than anything else is your relationship with Him and with each other. It is so easy to trust and believe in a God that says yes. I want two cookies. Okay. 
Yes. Remember the cookie story? Me? Cookies? Yes? Two? Mom would say no, just one? Woo! Terrible. Terrible. It's so easy to trust and believe in a God that says yes. When your spouse doesn't walk out, when the baby is healed, when the loved one is cured, when you get what you want, it's easy to believe in that God. It's a whole different matter to trust and believe in a God when the answer is no. But let me put it to you in perspective. Let me give you the real piece de resistance of the purpose. The reason that we can come to God and ask for forgiveness and He can say yes. The reason that we can come to God and we can seek salvation and He can say yes. The reason that we can come to God and say, I want to be in relationship with you and I want to be part of your family and God can say yes is all because God told His Son no. You all are familiar with the passage of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is about to go to the cross. He is about to spend a day being tortured and bludgeoned, nailed to a cross, a death that none of us can possibly even fathom or imagine. And here He is in the Garden, knowing that is to come. And He is praying the prayer again and again and again. He's saying, Father, please... Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus Christ is asking His Father, please, if there's another way, let's do it. Please do something different. Let this cup pass. And yet, what does He really pray? He prays what you and I pray when we do the Lord's Prayer. Not my will, but your will. Your will, Father. And Jesus Christ is obedient to His Father all the way to death. And because of the Son's obedience, because the Father told Him no, and the Son still obeyed the Father, now God can tell us, yes. Yes. He has a much clearer perspective. He has a much better plan. And he has a far greater purpose. Is it any wonder that sometimes the answer is no? If no was good enough for Jesus Christ, we should learn from that example. Faith is not believing in God when he says yes. Faith is believing in God when he says no. 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 God has not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, 
help from above, unfailing mercy, and undying love. Would you bow your heads with me, please?